This is Transistor.fm. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of 2017. As is my tradition, I like to release an episode right before MicroConf, the conference for self-funded startups. I'm going there. Uh, I'm leaving tomorrow, actually, and uh, going to be speaking at the Starter Edition and attending the Growth Edition. It's like two conferences back-to-back. And wanted you folks to have something to listen to as you get on airplanes and travel to the uh, Las Vegas International Airport. Today, I have a great interview with Laura Elizabeth. Uh, I was introduced to Laura through Brennan Dunn, and Laura is an incredible designer, and she also has a number of products. Uh, The one we talk about today is Client Portal. Uh, You can check that out, lauraelizabeth.co slash client-portal. But we get into all sorts of stuff about building products, about having the confidence to release things, um, about being vulnerable. It's a really great interview. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Could you give me a little bit of background on you? Like, how did you get into design? How did you get into UI? What's kind of your story up to this point? Yeah, so basically, I studied design throughout um, college and university. Um, I actually bizarrely started in, um, I started in computer programming, and then I went to animation, and then I tried to do all this stuff with, like, special effects for films, and that was what I wanted to do. And then I kind of fell into design um, because I really enjoyed it, and I seemed to be half decent at it. Um, I did that through college and university. Um, mm-hmm. I left there. Um, Can we, let's just stop uh, there for a sec. I, wa- I want to I ask you a few questions about that. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a little bit. <laughs> That's okay. So you start, what, why did you start in computer programming, and why didn't you stick with it? Well, so when I finished school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was always kind of creative, but I didn't know. I didn't really want to make a living out of being creative because it just didn't seem very appealing. Uh, And in all honesty, the reason I got into computer programming is is because I thought this will probably uh, make me good money. Um, And it'll be an easy job and I can just go to work, make good money, and then I can do my creative stuff on the side. What Um, what wasn't appealing about working having creative work as a job like you said i i don't know if i wanted to go into creative work because it wasn't appealing what what wasn't appealing about it well i actually thought i wasn't i wasn't good enough i wasn't extremely talented i just enjoyed it i didn't really think i had much of a i kind of thought you could either do a normal job or be an artist like picasso or something you know? mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which i was never going to be i was like you know i'm not that good i'm not extremely talented at this um so i i just i never really thought twice about i i, I was kind of naive but i was you know school age so Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that there were all these other jobs out there that you could do that are kind of creative but also um logical at the same time because I wasn't ever completely creative I've never been an artist you know I've never Mm -hmm. been too good at abstract things you know so design's a really nice balance between that because I I really enjoyed the logic of computer programming Mm -hmm. but I just missed that creative aspect so uh design just it seemed just like a natural fit 
and it just worked. So was it kind of like you went to computer programming, and that, which is very logical, and then you went over to animation, which was much more creative, and then design work was kind of in the middle? It, it had elements of both? Is that what you liked? Exactly, yeah. That's exactly right. Interesting. Okay, so, uh, so you went to college, you figured this stuff out, programming, animation, and then ended with design. And, and what mm-hmm. kind of design? Like you studied just design principles in, in school or you were actually doing software design? Um, it was mainly design principles. So there was a big focus on design thinking, so solving problems with design. And a lot of it was things like, um, you know, changing the world <laughs> with design, you know, yeah. which I kind of always makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it was kind of good in a way because it got me thinking they didn't really teach much in terms of principles. It was more about how to think mm-hmm. and how to like solve a problem where you get a brief and um, there was a lot of advertising involved, you know, how you have this really dull thing that you have to sell. Like, how can you, it's maybe useful for people, maybe not. Yeah. Um, how are you going to creatively sell this? Um, and I always struggled with it because I thought that um, I, I wanted to do design because I wanted to do the visuals and there was just no focus on the visuals at all. Yeah. Looking back, I really appreciate that because that kind of thinking helps me a lot now. And the principles you can always learn. But mm-hmm. at the time, I remember thinking, you know, I want to make something look good. Everything <laughs> I make looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so you, you, you got out of school. Uh, how, how long have you been out of school now, out of college? Um, I don't know. So out of uh, a long time. I really don't know. It must have been about seven or eight years. Okay. Maybe so you- longer. Okay, so you've been out of college for eight years, and what was your first design job? Did you get working right away in, t- in design? Well, I, so I went, um, I went back to my hometown. Um, I got a job as a waitress part-time okay. while I was doing internships. So I had, a, I had an internship in a city near me in England. Okay. Um, where, then where I had you, another one. Where's your hometown? Uh, my hometown's called Hinkley. It's basically two hours north of London okay. um, in the center of England. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I did that. And, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, and there was like, there was uh, places to intern around there? Well, in the, my town, no, but there's cities quite close by. I mean, England's pretty small, especially compared to like the States or something. So yeah. it's uh, this cities, Birmingham and Leicester were the two I did internships in. Birmingham mm-hmm. was a 40 minute train ride. Leicester was 20 minutes. So um, it was pretty easy. So I did an internship, one in Birmingham, then one in Leicester. The one in Leicester turned into a full-time job. Okay. Um, So I could quit the waitressing, which was great. Um, And I worked there for about a year or so. Okay. Now, because now you're doing, like if I go to your website, you've got products, you've got designacademy.io, you've got make it so, and then you're also, what I wanted to talk to you about today was this client portal project that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, and um, do you still want to talk about all that, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and you're also speaking. You've got a speaking section. And you were just telling me you, you're speaking at Smashing Conf in, uh, in San Francisco. And I think what a lot of people kind of struggle with is, you know, maybe they're right out of school, right? And mm-hmm. they're want they want to get into products or something like that. 
or maybe they're an old guy like me and they've had a few careers and they're like, man, I want to do, I want to get into products, you know? But the struggle is going, how do you go from, you know, being someone who's just out of school or just getting started to someone who's building something? So how did that work for you? Like how, how did, um, I'm not sure if this is, if this is, uh, in order, like, does, was Design Academy first or Make It So? Like, how, what's the story behind those those projects? Yeah, well, it's it's actually been a bit of a it's been a little bit all over the place. So, um, so I started as a freelancer. I was doing design work, um, and I always kind of wanted to get into products, but I wasn't quite sure what exactly I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it was just experimenting with lots of different things. So, yeah, um, Design Academy came about because I was actually working at the time with a lot of developers. Um, And their struggle was they have a really good appreciation for design. Mm -hmm. And because they're developers, they really like experimenting. They really like playing around. They like creating little side projects for themselves because it's just what they love to do. Um, And they really wanted just some basic design skills so they could create these side projects but they didn't have to look terrible you know mm-hmm. um, and I could really relate to that so back to what I was saying at university when I just wanted to make something look good yeah um, I could really relate to just being like I just want some really basic principles that I can follow so it looks like it's been designed it doesn't look like it's just been thrown together and because I had a need for that before and then I was seeing my clients were having a need for that now I thought let's start start design academy. Yeah. Um, and what I'm, and it's sort of been on the back burner for a while. It's only recently I've really started ramping it up. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, alongside that, I was still working on my client work. Um, I did a conference in, um, Stockholm and I mentioned this client portal thing and it was just kind of an offhand thing in my presentation saying, Oh yeah, I found that there was no decent project management tools. Um, they were all too complicated. So I made this really simple page, um, to organize them. And everyone was like, I want that. And I was like, okay. So people <laughs> convinced me to release that as a product. It was a site. It wasn't connected to design Academy, which is what I wanted to focus on, but mm-hmm. I'd made it. Um, people seemed to want it. There seemed to be validation for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought what a great way to dip my toe in the water in terms of products, you know, it just mm-hmm. seemed to fit. So, yeah. So are you shifting your focus to client portal? Is that like the, the major focus right now? Um, it's not going to be. I've basically, um, I've been working with a developer to get it to a stage where it's now you can integrate it into WordPress. Um, it's a lot better based on feedback that I've had from people. Initially, it was just something for me that I made really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've sort of now got it to the stage where I think, actually, this is pretty good. And the whole idea of client portal was that it, it's really meant to be simple. I don't want it to be complicated because that goes away from the whole point of me creating it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm, what I'm kind of doing is, um, client portals, it, it's a, it's a fun experiment and I'm going to absolutely keep it going. Um, but it's going to be more of a side project, I think. Um, so people still find it useful, but it's not, I'm not going to go full time on it or anything. Okay. And for people who are listening or watching, if I release this as a video, uh, you can see this at lauraelizabeth.co slash client dash portal. And what I love about this, and I can see why it resonated, is as soon as you see your screenshot, you instantly understand who it's for, why it would be useful. And that 
alone makes you kind of I want this. You know, you you can see you have these sections. Uh, like there's a one section called discovery, and you have the brief inspiration about your business uh, questionnaire, twenty second gut test, content uh, content sheet, and it's all laid out in this really. It's almost like. It feels like almost every product, what people are looking for is a template. Yeah, and, exactly. And this is a, a template that, that people can use and it gives them a place to, to, uh, to start. Or another way I've been thinking about this is that really almost every product is like, you know how there's Ruby on Rails? The idea that mm-hmm. there's like, you're on the rails, like you don't have to go off the rails. You can just stay on these rails and it will guide you along to making software. Well, client portal to me is like, here's some rails for your client project. This will just guide you along for your client project and take you along. And uh, that's what kind of resonated with it, resonated, why it resonated for me. Yeah. I mean, it really solves like there's two things that I really like about it. And the first is that it... um, it's a place where you can keep all your client deliverables. So it's not in any complex project management system. And it's somewhere that the client can go and be like, Hey, where am I at? Where are we at at this project? You know, and they can quite easily at a glance, um, see where they are. And that's actually one of the new features that I'm bringing in where you can actually, it says right at the top, exactly where you are in the project, which is pretty cool. Um, but the other thing is that it, it really helps. So freelancers sometimes struggle because they, um, they feel like they're not as professional as agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel like they don't have the kind of the the swag to go with it. You know, they mm-hmm. don't really have the bells and whistles. And it's just kind of a really simple way to make you as a freelancer seem more professional. Mm-hmm. So you say, hey, you've got this web, you've got this part of my website. It's my domain forward slash, you know, your name, yeah. password protected. And here's everything we're going to be working on. And it's like, from that moment, the client is like, oh, wow, this is a real project. I'm working with a professional who's done this before. You know, they're not yeah. just new to this. Yeah. And so there's kind of two, ben- there's the two main benefits I had from it and kind of why I sort of started it. Yeah, that, that I think is really key, especially for aspiring product people. There's actually a lot of your story that I think people could learn from. Uh, one, with Design Academy, Sorry, is it Design Academy? No, yeah, Design Academy, yeah. Uh, which is designacademy.io uh, for anyone listening. And, uh, and Client Portal, these were both you obs- interacting with real people, so interacting with developers and then interacting with freelancers. And then watching their, with Design Academy, watching what they struggled with and then creating something that was a response to that struggle. And with Client Portal, it was a little bit more serendipitous, but this idea of speaking something on a stage and having people react. And those are the moments you have to watch for when you're a product person. You have to be kind of observing real human beings. And this is why I say that folks that are doing freelancing are actually in a great spot because you're interacting with real people with real struggles. And when you can do that, then you can react. You can say, well... If this is what they're struggling with, I can try offering this and see, you know, if it resonates with them. I love that. Yeah. I think where a lot of people struggle is they they want to become product people um, and they think that they have to sit down and brainstorm what products can I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's always going to be really hard. Um, I mean, you might kind of you might you might stumble across something that's going to be, 
you know, really good. But I think it's so much easier, like you say, if you're a freelancer, if you're already doing something anyway, um, just to kind of, you know, keep your ears open and just try to like notice things that people seem to be consistently struggling with and seeing if you have something or you can do something that can help them with that um, struggle. I think that's probably the best way to go about it if you want to, you know, get started in products um, mm-hmm. is to have, you know, as you say, have something that you're doing anyway and just keep listening. Yeah. And it, to me, it's mostly like a mindset thing. Like it's it's just almost flipping a switch in your brain that is saying, I'm always listening and observing now. So yeah. instead of just like uh, going and here's the, 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 the checklist of things the client wants done, and then you offer you do those things. I mean, that's what you get paid for when you're a freelancer. But there's this other um, level of just like almost a, a higher level of saying, okay, but what's the real job to be done underneath all of this? Or yeah. in the process of this, are there other jobs that come up? And so in your case, you might have been working with a developer to do a project for a client, but in the process, you noticed struggles that the developers were having, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. people are thinking, well, if, if I work with banking clients, I can only focus on banking clients. But no, you've got this whole other circle of people. You've got developers you're working with, you've got managers you're working with, you've got all these things you know, you're working with. Yeah. Uh, sorry, all these people you're working with. And they have struggles too, and you as a designer or a developer or whoever you are might be able to solve those struggles. Yeah, exactly. I think it really helps when you, um, if you're working with clients or even just talking to people in general is, is um, trying to build a, a real sort of relationship with them. So I always got on really well with my clients. Um, I tried to, you know, get to know them a little bit and stuff like that. And that kind of really helped it become more of they're they're more willing to tell you what they're struggling with if they feel like they know you. And actually, some of my clients, um, so one of my one of my really old clients, um, I'm actually in a mastermind with now, um, and I've been friends with him since you know he first got in touch wanting a project doing. Yeah. Um, and so stuff like that's been really helpful. So I think you just building relationships and um, just talking to people, not necessarily looking for anything from them but just trying to listen to what they're struggling with and you know come across something that you could help with is really key yeah yeah the, the other thing I want to want to kind of touch on is um, I'm going to try to reiterate what you said um, you said that freelancers often want to feel more professional sometimes they don't feel like they're professional enough sometimes they feel like um, they're just, you know, a solo person and they can't compare to, you know, the big agencies or, or things like that. Is that kind of what you were getting at? Yeah. And the, it's interesting because, again, we don't always think in these terms. Often we think that a product is purely functional, like it's just the utility that people want. But you're absolutely right. Like when I look at your, your screenshot here, Everything about this screenshot for me is aspirational. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So I look at this and I go, that looks amazing. That looks professional. That makes me feel like if I could have that standard of, uh, you know, client portal, that would make me feel like a pro. All of a sudden, yeah. I would feel like I'm 
uh, not just a pro, but I would also feel good about myself. Like if I sent that to a client, I would feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm on it, you know, I'm, I'm professional. And that's, I think what people resonate with is that it's, it's not just the, like this list of features, like the features people, I don't, I think what people really want is they want to feel differently. And that sometimes gets missed where, especially in the software world, everyone thinks everyone's so logical and rational. And I Mm -hmm. disagree. I think people are emotional. I think they, they often buy products, um, for emotional reasons. It, yeah. Does any of that resonate with you? Do you think that's true or not? Yeah, I do. And it's it's the issue that I had is that I was worried that I wasn't coming across as professional, you know. I was worried I started freelancing and I I can't remember how old I was, but 8 years ago, I was like early 20s or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like I feel like just a kid, you know, why is anyone going to take me seriously? Yeah. Um and I still kind of feel like that now. So it's it's definitely a struggle that people have and I think um the good thing about it is that it's something that's so easy to implement. It's like it's it's a page. I mean, it's a page on your website that you just set up at the start and you add links to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy but just doing that um it makes you feel more confident in your own process and it feels it helps your clients feel more confident in you that you know they know where they stand and all this kind of thing mm-hmm. um and it, it's just been really helpful the there's there's another kind of added sort of side benefit to it as well in that it it makes you really have a think about your process mm-hmm. um so i started to realize that i was doing a lot of different kinds of projects and i started to realize there's a bunch of commonalities in this mm-hmm. and i started to put together things like um standard operating procedures in terms of onboarding and in terms of stuff like that and you know have it all documented and and that's been really helpful as well and that kind of came from me wanting to customize this client portal for my project so there's it's kind of like a, a small benefit but it's a it's definitely come from that. So yeah, yeah, definitely. There's something else you just mentioned um, that I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately because my my best writing and you do some writing as well. You have a great um, email course. How can people get on that email course? Is it just lauraelizabeth.co? Um, yeah, forward slash newsletter. Um, that URL is going to be changing soon, though, because it's going to be part of the Design Academy okay. um, website. So I can send you the link to that when I've got it all figured sure. out or something. Yeah, <laughs> if, if folks can go and just find it, it's it's worth uh, it's it's yeah, it's worth it just to sign up just to see your writing. And oh, actually, I've actually just remembered I bought a domain name today, so it's actually going to be uh, learndesigncourse.com. Perfect, and that'll be by the end of the day. I think it'll be up like by that. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So go to learndesigncourse.com and check out uh, Laura's writing. For my writing, some of my best writing is when I've been willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And my um, and I see this in especially with the software developers I talk to, but everyone, everybody wants to uh, are we want to appear like we're put together, like we've got it all figured out, like we're professionals, like we're successful. Um, you know, that everything's going our way. And, um, but my, the writing that I've written that's been the most successful is often when I'm vulnerable, when I'm saying, you know, here's something I did where I failed, or here's uh, a time where, you know, like leading up to a launch, I felt anxiety or I felt, um, you know, fear or whatever. 
And those moments, like you mentioned, you know, you felt, uh, you felt uh, not, what's the word I'm looking for? You weren't confident as a young designer. You felt like, I'm just a kid. Like, no one's going to take me seriously. And those moments, like those moments that we don't want to reveal to everybody are the seeds for great product ideas. Because the truth is, there's lots of people that feel that way. So Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite, as a product manager, one of my favorite kind of easy wins would be to implement uh, PDF reports in any Uh software product. And the reason is because a manager could print those out and bring them to a meeting and would feel like a pro. They would feel like, yeah. here, here's, here, you know, hand it out to the boss in front of everybody. And people would look at them and go, wow, like, how'd you do that? And the vulnerability they feel is, oh, I'm not a pro. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared I'm going to lose my job. They print this thing out. It makes them feel like they have a superpower, right? Yeah, exactly. So, what, yeah, and you're not necessarily making them better at what they do, but you're giving them the confidence to make them feel like they are better at what they do. And to be honest, I mean, it. I wouldn't underestimate the the value of actually giving people that confidence. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it makes it makes such a difference how how confident you feel um, and how you come across. It's it's yeah. I think it's really important. So, how have you been able to, um, like, for you? Was, was part of creating this client portal. I guess it, you created it for yourself first because you had that feeling. Like you were just like, I, <laughs> I want to feel more professional. Did you immediately connect that, you know, went, that other people were feeling that way as well? Or did it take speaking in front of the group to see their reaction to kind of get um, like, it, oh. Yeah, it definitely took speaking. I mean, it took... The attendees and the other speakers were amazing at that conference because it took them a long time to persuade me to release this as a product. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really had to go for it in persuading me because I was like, yeah, I mean, I find it useful. No one else has these problems, really. Yeah. Are you just saying that you'd buy it because, you know, you you know me and, you know, you don't want to offend me or anything? And they they really kind of fought the corner of, you know, this is actually something that a lot of people struggle with as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I thought it was just me. I mean, looking back now, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I guess other people struggle with it. I mean, I'm not a special snowflake in that respect. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes sense now, but it, it really took a lot of um, encouragement from other people to get me to see that other people might find it useful and be willing to spend money on it, which is completely bizarre to me, you know. Yeah. But amazing. Yeah, and and maybe you know I've I've been hard on this idea of scratch your own itch in the past, partly because I think um, sometimes scratch your own itch is you you literally are the only person who wants that thing, but maybe the secret is if if you're if this isn't just like scratching your own itch if you are uh, serving or trying to overcome a deep insecurity <laughs> in your own life, yeah, that might be, uh, you know, then scratch your own itch makes a lot more sense. If scratch your own itch is just like, what are the like typical scratch your own itch things? It's like, I want, you know, I want this utility because I think it would be cool. That yeah. th- Those kinds of things are just, I think it would be cool. Those kind of products almost never work out. Yeah. But if I look inside myself and it's like, oh my gosh, like I... 
feel when I do a client project, I don't feel like a pro. I want to feel like a pro. I'm petrified that people are going to, uh, this is the one we, we always hear from people when they're honest. I'm petrified that people are going to discover that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, it took me a while to figure out that that was my insecurity as well. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm just creating this because, you know, it's a place for deliverables. And it is. And it's good for that. It serves that purpose. But I mean, yeah, it's, I don't think I'd have been so proactive in creating it if I didn't have that, um, you know, as you say, emotional connection. I, I think that is it's really key. If you can tap into what people are really worried about, and it's often different from what they necessarily say. I mean, I don't go around day to day saying I'm scared that people are going to think I'm unprofessional. I don't really think about it much, but it's definitely somewhere in the back of my mind, just like it is with other people. And if there's a really quick, easy way that I can start to feel more confident about that, then I'll take it, you know, like mm-hmm. most people would. So, yeah, I think the emotional thing that you say is, is really important, um, but sometimes hard to uncover because people like to hide that side a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, just a, a side, a side question. You mentioned earlier that you don't think client project, client portal will become like a main product for you. Why is that? Why do you think it won't be um, kind of a main thing for you? Um, it's difficult, really. I think because, I mean, I've got my heart set on doing the design academy thing. It's what I'm really, really passionate about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've, I'm sort of a bit more invested in that. Um, but I do really think Client Portal is a really good product, um, which is why I've launched it and why I've, you know, revamped it in a way. Um, but I just, I can't see myself making it full time, but mm-hmm. I've been proved wrong a lot. So <laughs> you never know. I mean, I, it, you never know. It could, it could be, and I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be actually be quite fun to just focus on it. And I think there's a lot, what, what I'd worry about is that I just worry about making it too feature rich, mm-hmm. um, which as you said, a lot of product people, uh, myself included are always thinking about the next big feature and I'm almost worried about ruining it mm-hmm. um, I mean it's so simple at the minute but it, as you say it's just solving a very core need mm-hmm. um, I almost don't trust myself not to just wreck it <laughs> yeah yeah well it's interesting and a, a lot of times too like what we there's there's this like intersection of things that needs to happen for us to stay uh, excited about a project and you know, one thing with Client Portal is it might continue to do really well. Like people might continue to buy it. And that often can become the fuel for, you know, wanting to keep doing it. The other thing, yeah. though, that's great about being a product person is, um, you know, this Client Portal could be a portion of your revenue. And then freelancing could be a portion of your revenue. And then Design Academy could be a portion of your revenue. And you could have a really great life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, kind of the plan in a way, really, is it's, you know, I'm hoping to just take on a couple of freelance projects per year and then the rest of it be product revenue mm-hmm. um, is the ideal. But, you know, there's it's good to have a few different streams, both in terms of, um, I guess, stability in case anything goes wrong. I don't know particularly mm-hmm. what would, but also in terms of just changing it up a bit. I find that, if I'm doing the same thing over and over, um, mm-hmm. I struggle to stay motivated and inspired. 
it's kind of nice to be able to switch between things and take a different, you know, write about something a bit different for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of nice having these multiple things. Um, that said, it's a lot of work managing multiple stuff because sometimes your brain can get a little bit overwhelmed, but yeah, it's working so far, hopefully. Yeah. You know, I get asked about that a lot and I mean, who knows? I, there's, there's, it's, it's very difficult to say there's one way to do it and there's one way that's going to work for everybody. And so far, I've found that having multiple things, I've had too many things, I've pared down, but having multiple things uh, can sometimes be amazing. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had, a, I had a month where I just wasn't feeling great and, you know, was feeling down and wasn't able to get a lot of things out. But because I had some things kind of rolling, I had great revenue month, a great revenue month there because it was just, there's yeah. other stuff out there. And so, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I think the, the lesson is that you you have to discover what you, <laughs> what you really yeah. like doing. And so, you know, if you're doing one thing, you're like, this is awesome. I want to keep doing this, then keep doing it. But if you want to start something else and try something else, that's okay too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really simple if you think about it, you know, just, uh, you know, doing, you know, as you say, just, I'm enjoying this. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not necessarily going to commit to doing this for the rest of my life. You know, I'm not marrying it or anything. I'm just going to do it yeah. for now while I enjoy it. If at one point I stop enjoying it, maybe I'll move on to something else or maybe I'll take this, which is why I'm always really um, cautious to when I um, sort of give advice or recommendations to kind of say, A, this is what worked for me. It might not work for you. And also uh, sometimes it's just good to go with your gut, you know, and just just try things and maybe it'll fail, but you'll definitely learn stuff from it. And, you know, it's sometimes you feel guilty. You know, I sometimes feel guilty because I'm I've got a bunch of different things, you know, going on. And I am trying to streamline that a bit because it is a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's also I wouldn't change any of it because it a lot of these different things that I've been doing has kind of led me to where I am now. And if I took one of them out, I, I might not be here, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always tricky to say whether what I did was right or wrong or whether what I'm doing is right or wrong because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe to finish off, let's actually get into some things that have worked for you. Because um, <laughs> folks like some of those like uh, concrete examples. So for let's go through three things. Let's go through what's worked for getting newsletter subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have people enrolled in Design, Design Academy right now? Yeah, I've got just over a thousand, I think. Wow. Okay. So that's <laughs> awesome. And then client portal. So what's worked for your newsletter? Like what, in terms of getting new newsletter subscribers, where do those folks come from? Um, so they pretty much 100% just come from, I do a lot of guest posting. I do a lot of public speaking um, and stuff like that. You know, things like this podcasting and stuff. Um, it it kind of comes from that. Um, so what I do is when I do a guest post, I just put in my signature, you know, that I run design Academy and it's just a link to it. And that's been really successful, especially if you can get on some of the bigger blogs. So I did a guest post for a smashing magazine, which is a pretty big blog. And that's given me so much, so many subscribers just from that. Um, there's a bunch of other things that I can and should be doing to up that, like, um, 
having an actual specific call to action at the end of these blog posts or in the middle of them to give a free course. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm aware would probably help me. I just haven't necessarily done that yet. Um, so for me, it's all been, it's all been that so far, um, which is amazing. And actually gives me so much validation that what I'm doing is something that people want because I'm not doing an awful lot aside from having little links in my profile to get people to sign up, you know, mm-hmm. and if, if that's getting people to sign up, then that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, so that's been working so far in terms of subscribers, but yeah. And, and is the idea right now, like with design Academy, people can, it says enroll now and it takes you to a drip for, form. The idea is that when you launch those people will get notified. Is that right? Yeah. So what's going to happen is I'm actually, I, I think in the next few days I'm launching a completely new website for design Academy. So that's basically a landing page that I put up in about one hour, mm. which um, I, I'm impressed that for a one hour thing, it's generated over a thousand subscribers, mm-hmm. um, which is why I always say to people like, don't necessarily need to polish, you know, yeah. polish later, get the validation first and then polish. Yes, absolutely. Possible. Yeah. Um, so that's been, that's been really good, but I'm going to launch a new one soon. And what I'm going to be doing is for a while because I've been kind of bad at emailing my list regularly Mm -hmm. is I'm really starting to get into a habit of writing new content. So for a while, all I'm going to be doing is pushing out new content. I'm just going to be providing value. You know, I'm not asking for anything in return just yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff that I'm going to be doing. Like I'll be, um, I want to do design teardowns, but I want them to be from subscribers. So I want subscribers to send in their stuff and an article will be me going through their website and pointing out bits that they could, change to make better at it. I think that's something that'd be really useful. Yeah. Um, and eventually, at the, and while I'm doing that, I'll be working on the course and eventually the course will launch and that'll be a paid thing. Um, but that's sort of still in the future. I'm you know, just going to be prov- pr- providing content for now. Yeah. And do you have an idea of when you're going to, like, do you have a launch date already in, in mind for the actual course or are you just right now focused on building, you know, this email course and building the content? For now, it's just the email course and the content. I really do need to get a launch date. I, I want to get a launch date firmed up, something that's realistic, but not too, that's, that still keeps the pressure on a little bit because I definitely work well to pressure, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I need to figure that out. And eventually what I'll do is I'll have a specific launch date, which I'll publish. And that will hopefully keep me accountable to actually launch this thing that's mm-hmm. been around for a while, but I haven't you know, finished it yet. Yeah. Client work and stuff like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know all about that stuff. And and do you, do you have uh do you have customers for client portal yet? Yeah, so I've had um I actually had a really good launch for client portal. Um the good thing that I did there was um so the conference I spoke at was W Freelancing Conference, um, which Brennan Dunn organized. Yes. And because all of the attendees, what happened was he went around the room after I did two conferences and he went around the room after and said, What's the one thing that you wanna implement from this conference? And I think uh I can't remember the percentage, but it was well over fifty percent all said Laura's client portal. They yeah. were Laura's client portal, Laura's client portal. And he was like Wow. Okay. So we did sort of like a partnership where um, he promoted it to his list. Um, we did like a revenue share. Yeah. Um, and that was that was phenomenal. That was a fantastic launch. So I've had a I've had a fair amount of customers. I don't know the exact number, but I think it was about ten thousand in 
uh, in revenue. So, That's which awesome. is pretty good for a first. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend that, you know, I know it's not always possible. I was in a fortunate situation in terms of the conference, but yeah. I would say if you're starting out, if you can, you know, use other people's audiences that would find it helpful. Um, obviously Brennan didn't mind because he already had the validation that his audience would find this really useful. They wouldn't necessarily mind being sold to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good thing that you can sort of look look at doing is just talking to people. And yeah, you know, that, that that is key. Like, I think that the challenge that people often have is they'll they'll build something. Sometimes they'll build it in a cave hidden and away from everybody. Mm-hmm. And when they launch it, they, they're not... And sometimes this is hard to tell, but generally I found whatever people's first reaction is, it's a pretty good indicator of how well this idea will do, at least in the initial stages. And, you know, if someone shares an idea with me that I personally get excited about, I will be their biggest cheerleader. Like, I I will tell everybody about it because if I'm personally excited about it, first of all, human beings are just wired uh, psychologically to to want to share cool, interesting, useful things with other people. We want that validation of, um, what's a good example? Like text expander. When I share mm-hmm. text expander, which is a, you know, a utility that basically helps you, uh, puts in short codes and you can expand out big text snippets. It feels like I'm giving other people superpowers, you know? So mm-hmm. it's almost like the, I get the same feeling that the product owner would get. I'm like, I'm helping yeah. these people out. <laughs> and exactly. if you can give other people that feeling, if your idea or your product elicits that feeling, then <laughs> that's probably something you want to focus on because then you do get folks that will want to partner with you. Like everyone always asks, like, how do you get that? Like, how did Laura get that? That's what people will want to know. And there can sometimes be some bitterness and resentment around that. Like, how, how did she do that? That's not fair. But, yeah. but the, the, the truth is, is that you've got to hit on something that strikes such a nerve that gets people so excited that they're they're willing, not just willing, no, not willing at all. They are excited. They're enthusiastically wanting to share this thing with the world. And yeah. those are the kinds of ideas that you should be focusing on. Don't try to polish some product idea that is just, you know, people are kind of like, ah, that's, that's cool or uh, that's yeah. interesting, you know. You want something like, oh my God, like that's really, really cool. Yeah. Like I would, man, like yeah, I'd love to share that. The best bit of feedback you can get is someone saying, I wish I thought of that. How has nobody done this yet? Is just the holy grail of <laughs> validation, I think. That is a great way to put it. Let, let's end this here, uh, Laura. This has been awesome having you on. Great to yeah. meet you. Great to talk to you. Yeah, me too. Um, where, so people can find you at laurahelizabeth.co. Where mm-hmm. else would yep. you, what else would you like people to check out? Learndesigncourse.com. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then um, you can follow me on Twitter if you like. Uh, it's at Laurium, which is L-A-U-R-I-U-M. Um, but yeah, the laurelizabeth.co is kind of the hub of everything that I'm, all the crazy things I'm doing right now. So <laughs> it's probably the best place to go. Awesome. Well, great, cool. to, great to meet with you. And thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. This was great. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.
So there you go. Just a great conversation with Laura. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad you're still subscribed to the Product People feed. I am going to be releasing more episodes in 2017, so stay tuned for that. If you want more regular episodes, please check out megamaker.co. That is my weekly podcast about basically for people who are trying to earn an independent income from digital products, from software as a service, from online courses, from membership sites, things like that. And um, yeah, the last episode is really good. It's about building things without code. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin. And this show can always still use some iTunes reviews. Just go to iTunes, search for product people, and click that five-star icon. Really helps other people find the show. All right. I will see you next time I do an episode, or I'll see you in Las Vegas. Uh, Please come up and say hi if uh, you see me there. Okay. Goodbye. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.